You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. 1 Peter 1.23 Welcome to Canaanbaum Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. Featuring devotional segments by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, along with music by various artists who support our teaching. My name is Tom Barthel, serving as pastor at Trinity Lutheran in Nina, Wisconsin. Glad to be serving as your host for this episode. This is episode number 116. We'll begin with God's Word for you. God's Word for you, Job 38, verses 12 to 15. Have you ever given orders to the morning, or shown the dawn its place, that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light, and their upraised arm is broken. God is now talking about the appearance of dawn every day. Job has no control over the appearance of the morning. Even though there were pagans in ancient times who made sacrifices to ensure that dawn would return every day, the image of the passage revolves around the word wicked in verses 13 and 15. In verse 13, the wicked are shaken off the earth like crumbs from a tablecloth. In verse 15, the wicked are denied the cover of darkness. A robber seems to be pictured with his arm up in the air just as the light breaks in the east. Oh no, his light, which is darkness, the thing that enables him to do his wicked work, is denied him as the true light of day brightens the world and shows the truth of things as they are. Like clay under a seal, the morning light shows us what is really there all around us. The light of God was new on the first day of creation, and the return of the light every day reminds us that God's mercies are new every morning. His justice is as constant as the return of the sun each and every day. Now, there's something I want to talk about that's I'm going to just label a Hebrew oddity. Sometime after the time of Christ and the time of the Dead Sea Scrolls, but before 500 AD, a few unusual markings were put into the manuscript copies of the Hebrew Bible. Now, these included four places where a letter in the text of the Hebrew uh, passage was raised slightly above the others in the, sort of in the in the line between the, the 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 lines of the verses now one of those is in judges 18:30 where there's a, a letter n put into the middle of the name of Moses um, and uh, some other time in judges uh, uh, devotions on judges I'll talk about that another is in Psalm 80 verse 14 in the middle of the word forest and I have no clue why that happens there but the other two are here in Job 38, verses 13 to 15, in the word rasha'im, the, 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 the word wicked. Now, the middle letter of that word, which is the uh in rasha'im, it's a, it's, a, it's a letter shaped uh, like our English letter Y, but it's the Hebrew letter ayin, which is a guttural uh sound. Now, it's raised both times that this word, the word wicked, occurs in verses 13 and 15. Now, that seems to show that older scribes were not sure about the word wicked here or that it was a special passage for some reason. Now, the word rasha'im usually means wicked, but in this case, it could actually be the name of a star 
or a constellation whose light would also be denied at dawn. And a suggestion that's made is that this might be a reference to Sirius, the dog star, which is one of the last stars to vanish in the morning uh, because of its brightness. And this is probably because the Arabic name of Sirius, Ashirah, the leader, and some people think that Ashirah sounds a little like the word Rasha'im. But unless the Hebrew term, which of course we don't have for that star, was different than the Arabic, I don't think that that's a, a good explanation. Uh, another suggestion along the same lines is that the upraised arm in verse 15 could be a constellation that was once called the Navigator's Line, a string of stars to the left of Orion that included Sirius, um, uh, Procyon, and the twin stars Castor and Pollux. And maybe this is the focus um, on constellation. Maybe this focus of constellations is due to the reference to other constellations coming up later in the chapter in uh, verses 31 and 32. But Wow, four or five hundred years after these letters began to be written in this sort of superscript way, a group of Hebrew scribes called the Masoretes, they began to make careful notes about the text of the Old Testament, but by their time, the reason for the raised letters had been forgotten. Um, there's no good explanation I have found for all four cases of these upraised letters. Um, uh, boy, especially uh, the forest one in Psalm 80. Um, but the letters are part of the inspired text. The raised placement of the letters by scribes is not. But in all of these things, you remember that this is the holy, inspired word of God. And in Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith, and this is God's word for you. Up next, we have a song by Stephen Bautista from an album that was just released titled A Wondrous Journey, An Acoustic Christmas. God rest you, Mary gentlemen let nothing you dismay remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray oh tidings of comfort Comfort and joy, oh, tidings of comfort and joy. From God, our Heavenly Father, a blessed angel came, and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same how that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name oh tidings of comfort and joy comfort and joy oh tidings of comfort and joy said the angel let nothing you affright this day is born a savior of our pure virgin bright to free all those 
who trust in him from Satan's power and might. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, 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 comfort and joy. Next, to tell the story shared by Pastor Luca Italiano. Judgment marched past Rahab's window on hundreds of thousands of dirty feet. She reached up and tugged on the scarlet cord that hung from her window. Still secure. Good. And she watched as the armies of Israel marched around the walls of Jericho. Behind her, Rahab's mother trembled. Daughter! Are you sure? Rahab closed her eyes and nodded. She looked back at her family, crowded into her tiny home, sitting on her dirty bed. She remembered the faces of those spies, stained with sweat and dark from the sun. Oh, she'd known exactly who they were. That's why she hid them when the king of Jericho came looking for them. And that's why she begged them that night. I know that the Lord has given this land to you, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We, we've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. We've heard what you did to the kings on the way here. They're completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now that... Please, 
Swear to me by the Lord that you'll show kindness to me, to my family, because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you'll spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you'll save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we'll treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. And she had let them out through her that very window. And the men had told her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless, when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. If anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. Agreed, she'd said. Let it be as you say. And that was the last she'd seen them. Weeks ago. And then, the people. So many of them camped around Jericho. The city was shut up tight. She couldn't go out to them if she wanted. All Rahab could do was watch as the judgment of her city grew closer and closer. And all she could do was trust their promise. And then the people marched around the city. And on that first day, she'd expected judgment to come. At any moment, she'd expected them to attack. But nothing happened. And then the second day, they marched around the city again, and she waited. Her family braced, and nothing happened. Then the third day, then the fourth day, and on the fifth day, her father said, I need to go to the market. We're running out of food. Rahab cried out, No! They said that if you leave my house, your blood will be on your head. Stay here. Stay safe. And her father grumbled. On day six, her family grew restless. Why are we waiting here? Why are we waiting in the house of this prostitute? Her brother-in-law said. It's obvious these people will never actually attack. Rahab closed her eyes tight. She had only their promise to depend on. Day seven dawned. And the people of Israel marched around the city. And then they marched around it again. And again. And now her family crowded around the window. They could taste it in the air. Something was different. And then, after the seventh time around the city, all the people of Israel shouted. And all of Rahab's family trembled. And then the ground trembled. And then the walls trembled. And the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. But not Rahab's house. Inside the house with the scarlet cord, it was safe. And the fighting started, but then the two spies came to her door. They were safe from the judgment that landed on the rest of the city of Jericho. Now, my brothers, my sisters, you who are listening, 
judgment is coming for you as well. But you are safe. Not because of anything you've done or offered, but because Jesus has promised. And just like the spies kept their promise and kept Rahab safe, Jesus will keep you safe on the day of judgment. And on that day you will be judged not guilty. Not because you're innocent, but because Jesus has separated you from your transgressions as far as the east is from the west. The day of judgment is coming, but you have nothing to fear. And this story is true. We have another devotion from 1 Peter shared by Pastor Mark Falk. 1 Peter 1, 23-25 Imperishable Seed For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. NIV 1984 The seed that gave us physical life, the seed of a father, is perishable, fragile stuff. I wonder what the shelf life of human seed actually is. As time goes on and we see the ravages of time reflecting back at us in the bathroom mirror, we eventually realize that all the anti-aging products that fill the infomercials can only fight a delaying action at best. Have you noticed how your favorite stars never age in the reruns? but are hardly to be recognized when the cast gets together to discuss the good old days? Oh well, old happens. And if we don't die young, it happens to all of us. Perishable seed, perishable people. But what about the new person born in everyone to whom God grants the second birth? This is different seed. It does not depend on us. Our rebirth as believers is not our work. We don't do it. We don't choose. We don't come to God. We run from Him. But here I am, a child of God. Not worthy of the title, much less the more noble title, Saint. How does that come to be? It is a living word that is the seed of our faith. Whether in baptism or in the preaching of Christ, it is a message of God that brings faith to life that creates life where death once ruled, that rescues from the slavery of sin, that brings a new saint into being. A saint is nothing more or less than one who by faith has been sanctified by the Holy Spirit, that is, set apart for holy use. This is God's holy work. His Spirit inhabits the words of baptism instituted by the Son. His Spirit fills the words of Scripture with power to convince, to win, to save. How many Christians cannot speak of the warmth they sometimes feel when the words of a particular passage of the word touches them? This warmth is not our hope, but it flows from the word that touches our hearts from time to time. The seed that has made us gods, this is holy and imperishable seed. The truth that Jesus was the stand-in for our punishment on the cross and in the very pit of hell, this is the warming truth that moves hearts to faith. 
Yes, we are damnable sinners, but we are also redeemed. 1. Purchased. The seed that was my beginning in this life has created a perishable body. The seed that creates faith has created a life that will never perish. For Christ never perishes. Let this word seed you again and again and again. We'll close with a song by Branches Band. You have been listening to Canaanbaum Podcast, episode number 116. This episode was first shared in December of 2016. For more information, visit CanaanbaumPodcast.com. You'll find links to the artist Stephen Bautista and learn more about his new album, as well as to Branches Band and other artists. We encourage you to visit a Wells Ministry location nearest you. Visit wells.net. Thanks for joining us. God give you rest in Jesus.